ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's the Cincy Brewcast. I'm the Gnarly Gnome. You know that because you click on the show. You hopefully subscribe to the show. If you don't subscribe to the show, do that like right now. There's probably something in whatever app you use to listen to podcasts you could click on or something. Do that because then you get the episodes like immediately as soon as they get uploaded on Monday mornings at like midnight in theory, unless I have some kind of family drama, which seems to be uh, par for the course anymore. <laughs> Welcome back, Andrew McLeese, Andy McLeese, mm-hmm. McLeese, uh, other nicknames that uh, we won't, we won't say on the no, air. Not going there. <laughs> uh, from Brink few. Brewing Company. Um, my God, we have not sat down here to do a show since 2017. Yep. <laughs> that's, uh, that's how crazy... when. When we started doing Cincy Brewcast, we um, we sat around those first couple episodes and started planning some stuff out. And uh, and Mike Cisneros, who I started the show with, if you are a new listener, go back and listen to get the whole saga of how this all came to be. But uh, we sat around kind of planning uh, future shows, and we, we were starting to book shows with breweries. And we're like, what happens when we go to all of the breweries? Like, <laughs> do we just start you know start back at the top of the list? Like, we're gonna run out of stuff to talk about. And little did we know that here we would be, you know, five years later, six years, however long it's been, and um, trying desperately to get to places in a timely manner because there's so many new places opening up and so many. Uh, can we call you guys an older place at this point? I think so I mean, now. <laughs> I thought you only did new breweries, so that's why I figured we haven't been on in a while. So, yeah. And, I mean, new breweries are definitely uh, exciting and they're fun to... Uh, they're fun to talk about and fun to speculate about, but there is definitely a, uh, a huge value in revisiting places on a, in theory, in a timely manner to talk to them about what's going on. Um, I, we need to talk about a beer first, though, because that's uh, kind of the okay. the heart of the uh, the whole reason that I do a podcast. And of course, that's not going to work either. Uh, From the there, beer fridge. There we go. From the beer fridge. Um, it's really hot outside, yeah. and so I grabbed a cream ale, <laughs> partially because, um, uh, partially because I just threw a bunch of Little Kings in my fridge at home, and then had to leave the house, and I was like, shit, I didn't even get to drink any of them. <laughs> and then I walked in and said, oh, cream ale, I need, I need a cream ale in my life right now. Um, what's this one called? It is the Schischler Brothers uh, cream ale. I wish I could tell you who the Schischler brothers were, uh, or are. I shouldn't say were. That's speaking of them in the past tense. I know they're they're still around. Uh, like a lot of our beers, I'm not exactly sure the origin of the names. We usually just pick something uh, close to home. I think this was uh, memory serves a couple friends of Kelly, who he goes up in snowmobiles with. In Michigan, something along those lines. Uh, maybe they like cream ales. <laughs> well, but it's it's all very... So you guys are definitely a neighborhood brewery um, to the, the highest degree that you can imagine what that means. Um, to, to create beers that are around uh, friends, around family, around neighborhood people, people that come yep. in. And, and like that's very much kind of the, um, I guess, the theme of what Brink part of the theme of what Brink is. Um, to me, a cream ale kind of goes along with that, too. When you think about Cincinnati, when you think about neighborhood bars, when you think about, like, that um, that that side of the history of all of this, cream ale goes, oh, I mean, yeah. partially Without because of Little Kings and what yep. that was here in town, but just, you know, in general, um, it's just, to me, it's the perfect kind of 
neighborhood bar beer so it's uh, then the name works perfectly (laughs) it all all fits perfect yeah Um, but yeah i mean i think you hit hit the nail on the head with uh this beer in general it is a uh an homage to cincy brewing history uh you know the irony is everyone kind of you know, maybe talks a little shit about Little Kings, but the, everybody uh, loves it too. I, hey, the <laughs> few years I took BJCP in the sensory classes when we got to the cream ales, you know, everything's blind, blind uh, tasting, blind scoring. Every year, Little Kings was the highest scored beer when we do our samples. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, they're <laughs> they're doing something right there. You guys are definitely known around town as being that brewery that won all the awards yep. or wins all the awards. I'm kind of going on the whole cream ale theme. <laughs> Up until very recently, the only brewery in town that had won more medals at GABF was Christian Moorline or the offshoots of what that okay. means. A big part because of Little Kings, it, you know, especially in the 80s, it was racking up medals every single year for being a perfect cream ale. You guys have since well, passed them up, so yeah. we'll see how it all ties together. Yeah, I mean, now we got to throw that one in the mix. Uh, yeah, it, it didn't make the cut for this year's GABF entries, but uh, yeah, I think it's balanced exactly how a cream ale should be. Uh, you know, hit all. That's kind of what we try to do, style-wise. Always is hit the notes, hit the style notes, and I think that one's uh, where it needs to be for summer drinking. Uh, that's about all I can say about a cream ale. I mean, I, it's the when, lawnmower beer. It know. is definitely. It is. I I always feel bad when I say that a beer is, you know, approachable or a lawnmower <laughs> beer or a gateway beer or something like I mm-hmm. hate all of those terms because I feel like it cheapens what this is and what this kind of means, not just as, you know, a beer up here on your taps, but just as a beer drinker, What how this fits into that kind of um, that world of being a beer drinker like it, you're not sitting around drinking double ipas all the time sometimes you want to crack something open that is light and refreshing i haven't hit I'm, that yet so <laughs> i mean uh, honestly this one does not get a lot of run in my rotation i, I drink it every couple of weeks to make sure I, it's still where it needs to be and i can describe it to the uh the customers, but no, I I straight IPA right now. So no, well, I, I think that's probably still the majority of drinkers yeah. in the in this craft beer world. I don't yeah. think we've gotten past that point yet. But um, so we talked about kind of the story of how Brink came to be in that last episode that we were here. So if anybody yeah. doesn't kind of know about kind of the history of Brink and where they came from, go back and listen to that one, Volume Two, Episode Forty One. Um, you got to scroll really far back to get to that. Yeah, you got to get to that. I might um, have to go listen to it. But so. in the in the meantime, you guys have you guys have developed as this perfect little example of a neighborhood brewery in Cincinnati. Talk about that journey a little bit. Do you, if we look back to 2017, do you did you picture that things would still look this way that they do today? Did you? Did you anticipate that, that you would have to uh, expand and grow a little bit, which we'll also talk about? Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll hit those topics. Uh, I mean, back in 2017, we were probably the one brewery that uh, we didn't really have a growth plan. We we're just, you know, like so many breweries, get open, get open. We, we hit our snags. We had our problems getting open. Some of the time, uh, you know, the opening ran around. We were just so relieved to be open. We didn't really put much uh, expectation on, you know, what the next steps were. And that's honestly 
kind of how we approach it the last few years in general. Just let things come as they may. Um, definitely when we opened, I don't think no one could have pictured that we would have had, you know, the success we've had at a Great American Beer Festival or World Beer Cup or U.S. Open. Uh, those are the three uh, big competitions that we enter. So, um, yeah, I mean, we knew we were going to try to win some medals. We wanted to put a lot of emphasis on quality control and, uh, you know, hitting everything to style. If we make a beer and, you know, people know what that style should taste like, we're going to hit that hit those style points. Uh, but, yeah, I don't think any of us thought we'd win these medals. Um, and then that kind of became the the pool for a lot of what we've been doing, which is, you know, oh, shit, now we got to do something with this. We're not just, you know, we're kind of in a weird space where we're still the neighborhood brewery. Uh, we love College Hill. Um, obviously, we haven't really expanded the tap room. Uh, we can talk a little bit about what's going on there, I guess, later, not to jump the gun. But uh, since we've opened, we've about doubled our, you know, uh, productive capacity in terms of adding new fermenters and bright tanks, but we've not expanded the physical space. Um, so yeah, I mean it's just been a slow, steady slog, I guess you can call it. Uh, you haven't you haven't expanded the physical space. Yeah, you really haven't expanded as far as distribution and things like that go. Yeah, a little bit, but I mean honestly, we we've really curated the accounts that we want to distribute to, and uh, how we distribute is largely just. Hey, our walk-in's getting full. We, uh, let's uh, let's get some beer out there so we can clear some space for uh, some new beers. So yeah, I mean, we we were never built to be that distribution brewery. So it's it's kind of you know uh, a little bit of uh, inventory management, and a little bit of just uh, folks will contact us. I mean, more than right. not, you know, we go out and pound the pavement. So. Yeah, we're not in a lot of places. You don't see our handles a lot of places, but you might catch us a few spots. And, again, that's a, a very curated list of uh, places that we go into. If you were going back now and restarting this whole process of starting a burger, number one, would you? No. no number two, would it look the same as <laughs> it does here today? Uh, uh, the, yeah. Uh, I, I would be lying if I said I'd start a brewery again. Uh, <laughs> you know, not that it hasn't been great. We found our niche, and uh, you know, we're doing fine uh, despite the COVID and the the curfews and everything else. Uh, you know, we're we're still chugging along. Uh, but when we when we started planning this, uh, I think the story I tell when I started writing the business plan, there was eleven breweries. And that we put in the business plan that we knew of, and that wasn't even open breweries yet because Braxton wasn't open, Urban Artifact wasn't open when we uh, started business planning. So it's you know it's gone from eleven to I'm not even sure what my count is anymore. Fifty five. I, I, I don't know how 50, to count. Yeah, it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, close. You know, pushing sixty, I guess, um, with the few closures we've had. So. It's so by the time you guys opened your doors, and we were 29th, I think, or something. This is like not that. counting places that have closed. Yeah, okay. This is multiple locations. This just because that's the only list I found right. really quickly. <laughs> you are number 33. Okay. But like I said, that's counting. That's counting two different Moreline locations, mm -hmm. which I don't know how you count that anymore. Yep. Um, that's you know, it's it's, it's a very complicated. That's number. about <laughs> where we thought. I thought I, for some reason I thought I had. Mark this at like uh, 29th or that's, 30th. That's probably that's right. That's somewhere in there, but but I don't yeah. I don't know how you I don't know how you count that. I yeah, mean, exactly. How many locations does 50 West have? I, I don't think Barrel I don't, House counts. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like I think technically 50 yeah. West has 
three current locations, yeah. even though they're all right there together. Yeah. I, I don't know. And it doesn't really matter anymore. Is We've got Chilla a lot Coffee of breweries. Open yet? Not yet. Okay. That'll be right. for kind of okay. technical. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> well, yeah, it was a totally different landscape. So, um, you know, uh, it's a hard question. Would I do it now if I was looking at a, the landscape now and there are 60 breweries in town? I'd, hell no. I'd put my money somewhere else. Uh, well, and when you, when you try to explain what Brink is to people, it doesn't sound like it's something that's going to be groundbreaking or crazy or yeah. has this chance to stand out, in a, especially in a market like Cincinnati. It does. But if I was trying to explain it to somebody without them being here and, like, seeing what it is i don't know that it would oh yeah they a lot of really true to style beers um it's a you know it's a small space you know lots of uh community seating uh not not a huge patio but a little patio uh it's in college hill you know like it just it's like, yeah uh, it doesn't make sense why it has become what it is it does when you see it and you feel it and you, you taste it and like it, it then it makes sense but you know, coming into if you were coming into it now, it would be really hard to to convince people that this was uh, this could become what this is. I've always had a hard time uh, describing or articulating brands, or even even my own. Like you know, I what think exactly, a lot of people. Yeah, I, I mean, there are very few places that have a really great grasp on who they are. And yeah. There's there's places that are that are much older than you guys that are still struggling to trying to communicate that to to drinkers especially beer drinkers where you know yeah we drink whatever's in front of us like we don't you know unless you live close to a place you're not loyal to anything yeah just you're just running around just drinking whatever you can get your hands on that sounds good at the time it's it's a really really strange business well i mean it's a lot harder to stand out now just in general um you know and that that is one of the you know circling back to the the earlier point just being a neighborhood brewery uh there's less urgency necessarily to stand out uh you know i think again some of the urgency is external knowing that we've we've had all these medals we've had all the success and you know i think our brand has you know become kind of quality neighborhood very finely crafted i mean we uh, i often joke we we uh we don't really have the triple constraint around here like we uh, we'll take our time we'll spend all the money and it's going to come out perfect uh mm-hmm. you know so we're not always trying to hustle beers through uh to get you know to get volume and get it out the door so is there an added pressure though too that you have had so many beers that are technically the best of this stuff <laughs> like i mean yeah it does that add a whole other kind of With, like you without like, a doubt that stress <laughs> of like we can't just play around and fuck around with something and yeah. do something that may turn out, may not turn out because you've got this, this, you've got a brand building around the brand of those guys that win medals. Yeah. I mean, uh, we've probably been a little too cognizant of, uh, paying attention to the internet chatter or watching <laughs> the untapped rankings or, you know, the Google reviews, which is good to monitor your reviews and, you know, uh, but no, that's a, that's definitely, again, we, we expected to do that right without but i don't think anyone could have really expected the the two back-to-back gabf you know uh, awards for our size and you know just the fact that we've entered all these competitions and haven't failed to medal yet um there are there are very big breweries um they're very big breweries in town that have entered a whole lot of beers in the gabf put a lot of money behind them 
massive lab space, huge brewing teams, beautiful brew houses, everything that you can do and haven't done yep. what you guys have done. And I don't, I don't know what the, <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to say that they're brewing beer that is inferior to yours because they're not. There's something about that magic that just clicks sometimes. And the, uh, it's, it's a really strange kind of formula there, of, of winning a medal at GABF. Th- there's a lot of that. Um, you know, uh, again, at the risk of sounding diminishing to what we do around here but uh, a lot of what we do I I take we're almost home brewing on a commercial scale in in some regards I mean there's just uh, I hear it all the time from Drew and Clint and Kelly before him and even Mark uh, oh there'd just be shit that goes wrong back there and we just gotta know how to how to make it right (laughs) and just in on the on the fly right uh, so I, I hate to say there's maybe a little less science at Brink and a little more <laughs> artistry and feel, but uh, there's definitely that kind of just home cooking kind of going on here well, where everything is really about the guys back there raking the grains. Well, uh, I've, I've <laughs> talked before on the show about the different types of people that go into brewing. You've, you've got those science nerds that are that are that are filling out spreadsheets and, and, and doing some kind of calculation in their head to make a beer then there's the the the, the homebrew kind of uh um the garage guys yeah. that are just yeah. you know just figuring it out yeah. you got these tin- <laughs> you've got these tinkerers that just want to you know build these beautiful systems and automate stuff and like there's these very different personalities that go into it and it's really fun to see how they all kind of get to this same result of creating beer yeah. that you know we all like to sit around and just drink and you know get get silly and like it's i don't know there's something really special about this industry i think because of that and um i I love it it's it's fun to watch um i would get lots of anger emails if we didn't bring up uh kelly and (laughs) (laughs) you know i figure we should just get into it here before we get too far in anything else um you guys were hit with a very strange situation a situation that from the outside looking in doesn't make a lot of sense. You've got somebody who is still yeah, technically still an owner, an owner yeah. yep. of Brink that now brews at a different brewery um, who we will be talking to in a few weeks, I believe. Okay. Um, so that'll <laughs> tie all that together. <laughs> um, you've, you've been, uh, you haven't been, quiet letting it known as people are raising hell online about what this means for the beer right that you don't think it means a lot for the beer that the 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 beer will not change the creativity won't change the driving force of what is the beer at brink won't change yeah um Talk yeah, a li- just go into that. Yeah, just, just ramble. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just talk talk a little bit about. And obviously, yeah. you can't you can't tell us you know what's going on in his mind. Why this was the right move for him? I mean, it was um, just, it was economics for him. I mean, more more than anything. I mean, uh, if you talk to him next week, I'm not going to get into his his personal personal <laughs> right, stuff. Right. But I mean, why most people leave jobs is uh, they think they can make more money and get a better offer somewhere else. So uh, right. you know it. People, people leave jobs because they think they're going to make more money yeah. or they think they're going to work less yeah. or yeah. 
uh, they're going to get more recognition for what they do. Yeah. Like, I think those are the kind of the three reasons that kind of off the top of my head that I can come up with why somebody would leave what yeah. they do. The fact that he's still an owner here and and was an owner here is, I think, the strange thing that I think a lot of people just can't quite wrap their uh, heads around. Yeah, I mean, the big thing is that that, that did cause a, a bit of a fracture in our ownership. And uh, uh, his brother, who was a partner, founding partner, uh, recently sold his shares to me and Mark. Mark uh, is Kelly's brother-in-law. So, you know, he was always in Denver, uh, John and Sarah, you right. know. Again, being being in Denver, they were you know a little detached from the day to day. Anyway, I think it was uh, a hard slog for them, particularly you know having to do everything from a different time zone. Uh, so yeah, I mean obviously there's that piece. Uh, I, I think it was a shock, but again, the the bottom line, what it came down to for him was uh, he needed to make more money. Uh, he didn't want to put the pressure on Brink to come up with a salary and a benefits package. He had a offer that he thought would be better for himself and his daughter and uh, that's kind of what happened uh in terms of the beer here you know what you know, back to your earlier question was uh i think it was important for us and for everyone to know who hasn't been around like kelly was you know obviously had a hand in everything uh recipe formulation but he truly acted more as for lack of a better term, maybe director of brewing operations. Right. Then, you know, his head, head's in the mash, you know, every day and, you know, raking out grain. Uh, Clint and Drew have been here since the get-go. They brewed on every single one of our award-winning batches. Uh, they mentored under Kelly all the processes. I mean, there's a strict continuity of everything that we've done. Um, you know, the guys who are brewing our beer now have been here from the get-go. Not, nothing really has changed in terms of our philosophy and how we approach beer or make beer. And, yeah, I mean, if anything else, this was long overdue for Drew and Clint. Uh, you know, those who don't know Drew, like, extremely talented, not only home brewer, but dude's an animal, man. I mean, he's just... <laughs> he's well, and if anything, this might start to give them the recognition that they oh, yeah, might without, I mean, without a doubt. If you look at any, any, especially some of the bigger breweries in town, there's a lot of really, really talented people that are going in there every single day and busting yeah. their butts and brewing and, and creating recipes and, and driving, driving that side of the business but don't get any kind of recognition. Yeah. You, you have those names that if you think that Brady and Kenny are still brewing at Madry, you're insane. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know, like, yes, they started all of that and they created those early recipes, but that's not their thing anymore. And it's hard to, uh, it's hard as beer drinkers, I think, sometimes. You get so caught up in what you think this this story is and this picture of what things are. And, it's, you know, it's hard to remind yourself sometimes that it's not necessarily as a business grows and develops, how it still looks day to day. Right. Um, not that it's not important to it, but I, I don't know. I, I really like, hope. Again, I, I mean, we, he laid the foundation. I mean, we wouldn't have the brand without Kelly. I mean, uh, and again, the guys we got here, uh, they're Kelly disciples. Um, you know, but exactly what you said, it has always been a collaborative effort. I mean, even on the recipe formulation and sometimes... I even got to be a part of that in the sensory part or uh, when we're trying to come up with collaboration or different right. uh, variants and things of that nature. So, again, I think 
you know, the important thing is we've had continuity. Uh, the philosophy hasn't changed. Uh, we still got all the same recipes. Uh, but, yeah, um, it's always been more than just one guy, with, right. without a doubt. So, but. How does it change how you tell the story for people who come in here? Like, how do you do that? How do you... I mean, I, I, I know on one hand you can... It's real easy to jump on on uh, some kind of Facebook group and, and kind of tell your story to people. But like when, you know, some random person comes in and sits at the bar and says, oh, yeah, I heard about this place. I, yeah. I read this article and, you know. We haven't changed any of it because, again, we, we still feel strongly about what we're putting out. Uh, you know, the, the first kind of beer launch that we had when, you know, it was, it was official official that. Kelly wasn't going to work on any more batches was the uh, the main voyage from Clinton Drew and that is still to this date our highest rated New England IPA on Untapped. We've already had to brew it three times. I mean it, that those batches blow in like two weeks. People love that beer. Um, so I mean that was a, for me that was just a great way to say okay well the story hasn't changed I and mean, here's right. you know here's the new guys. <laughs> I mean who are the same as the old guys well, but. Like- I don't know what that you know, as a as a as a brewery and as one of these biz as a business that like, it's very different than you know, uh, you know name any other industry you know, craft beers yeah. like people are already so like, tied into what these places are and following along with their places and reading blogs or listening to podcasts or whatever it is. This podcast wouldn't exist if this industry yeah. was any kind of other industry. It's it's right. strange to just run around town and go to a bunch of, you know, quote unquote competitors and just every day talk to them, you know, like it's, <laughs> but I don't know if like not trying too hard to explain who you are to people is better than, you know, spending a ton of money and a ton of effort trying to, trying to tell people who, does that make yeah. sense? Like, yeah, I, yeah, I, sure. I don't know if like there is some kind of value in, um, not forcing well, there, there's the a value in us because we're lazy. We don't we don't take that tack with anything. <laughs> you uh, pretend you know, it's marketing very, uh... or advertising. We don't do any of that. Uh, you know, uh, these. Sorry, I'm look. We're we're here at the front of the brewery, and I keep seeing folks not see the sign that says "Enter in the back." Right. Uh, <laughs> like, oh, I got to get up and let him in now. Uh, uh, no, I, I totally get what you're you're getting out there, and you know, I guess from our standpoint too. I mean, there's the there's the folks in Cincinnati who are you know like. They kind of follow the scene. Uh, they're obviously listening to your show. They're on, you know, the Facebook forums. Right. They kind of, they already know what goes on behind right. the scenes. I mean, there's a lot of talk and gossip, and I'm you on that forum, too. You would, you too, would you think. Know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, those are the folks who, uh, you know, maybe maybe they think the story changed, but for the most part, you know, we just, one guy was serving earlier today. It was from Dayton. And, you know, just, oh, I'm from Dayton. I've heard so much, you know. To me, that's that's just the exact same thing that it's always been. You know, some, right. somebody from out of town heard about how, you know, great our beer is, and if they're in town, they need to. We're one of the breweries they need to stop by and check out. So, uh, well, I can tell you where they didn't read that from <laughs> was the uh, first post or article on uh, was it Cincinnati.com that uh, yeah. the list oh, of yeah, the, yeah. the best breweries in Cincinnati, yeah. and <laughs> you guys didn't make the list. <laughs> That was, that was funny. And, that was a funny one and to definitely, follow. definitely <laughs> created a lot of uh, a kerfuffle. Is yeah. that a, I think uh, that's a good word. It's a great word. Um, for, um, 
the uh, the geeks on <laughs> on Facebook and and you know anywhere really anybody where any place where people are sitting around talking about stuff like that, and you um, uh, manage to spawn a uh, additional article on top of yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. You know that's that's even better than being left off. I mean, we kind of get a highlighted article all ourselves, and no such thing as bad publicity, I guess. Uh, but yeah. Uh, that that's just it's uh, it's funny to me how how defensive folks are of us. People uh, <laughs> people get people get really um, really into their places and their beers and their people and their yeah, their yeah. thing and it's like uh, I don't know, I I enjoy hearing people's opinions about stuff but I don't think any of it means anything. No 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 without a doubt no of course. Um, as I've often said, and it's not a lie, my favorite brewery in town is Streetside. So, you know, I, I don't even put us number one on my list, but I drink um, this every day. That's part of the problem, too. My, when people ask me what my favorite brewery in town is, like, it's, it really is always changing. It yeah. depends on, uh, on lots of different factors. You know, if I'm hauling kids around with me, if it's hot outside, if it's sunny outside, if it's winter, if I really want to drink a lager, if I really want to drink something mm-hmm. sour, all of those go into what my favorite place is so it's not it's it isn't fair and and my tastes are always changing and there's things that i want now that i may not want in six months a brewery that can meet that need is now my favorite spot you know it's it's doesn't mean anything nobody's opinions (laughs) mean my opinion doesn't mean anything so um talk about uh as brink has developed and become who you guys are you guys get you guys are very popular it gets a little crowded in here sometimes. Um, Taproom space is at a premium. Yeah. How going for how? What are the growth plans yeah, for what this well, is? I know that the that's, 2020 plans just get through it. <laughs> well, uh, you know, just uh, survive. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, at least for now, uh, in the immediate plans, uh, you know, we are capacity limited, and that this has been a little trying on us. Just you know, we had a small tap room to begin with right. and then had to cut significant capacity out uh we've got a temporary permit that we can use the parking lot uh, you know but it's it's not great to drink in a parking lot and we're not going to go spend a ton of money in that but it can be fun like <laughs> a like a one-off kind of thing like you want to throw a party in parking it, lot. it was actually good on it's, friday when we used it for the first time for you know the brink band right. that was up here but uh it's not something we're going to do daily but to your larger point we've for a little bit over a year now have been leasing the space adjacent to uh, the tap room. Uh, it's roughly the same square footage. We kind of have a... So the space on the other side yeah, of the, the bar, yeah, so that, yeah. that side. So if you were looking at Brink from the street, it's to the right. It's in between us and the Red Rose Jim's uh, uh, Italian restaurant. Uh, we've pretty much just been using it this past year is largely storage, uh, keg cleaning. We got our keg cleaner over there, and uh, yes, band, band practice. practice space. I mean, the most important <laughs> thing. Very important. Band <laughs> practice space, brew, uh, brewers lounge. You know, we got a couch over there and a pool table. We never got felted, but uh, the grand scheme of uh, the grand plan there is uh, we we will eventually be building this out. Uh, obviously, COVID has kind of altered the timeline. Uh, it's it's a building that's currently owned by the Development Corporation. Uh, 
some city strings attached to it. Right. So, uh, you know, some development strings when we do dive in. But, you know, the, the long-term plan, we're probably going to approach it in phases. Phase one was always just kind of white box it, um, have it help us distribute a little bit more, maybe do some more efficient bottling and canning and that sort of thing. Uh, and then eventually we will have to activate the the front part of the building and by that make it a auxiliary taproom space, uh, private event private space. Events, so yeah. Private um, but one of the hangups right now is you're looking at it here. <laughs> anyone who knows the taproom by the Scrabble board where the only place that we can connect the two buildings is through the electric closet that has our three-phase electric. So, you know, it's... Uh, it's going to be a phased-in project that we're we're trying to do. Which was already a big enough of a hassle trying to yeah, get. Yeah, it was. We already got a price tag on it. You know, we were trying to do it in a manner that uh, didn't require debt, so revenue right. financed. Uh, you know, smartly. We don't want to develop a, a second building. You know, <laughs> we developed this building because we needed to put a brewery in it. Um, <laughs> so we're not we're not hot to trot to, to to redo this again at the same price tag. So this is why the archaic uh, drinking laws in this country need to change. Because if you could just get your beer, walk out the door, <laughs> and then walk in next door, you wouldn't have yeah, to worry about right. any of that. It could just be a separate space. And uh, sometimes it's open, sometimes it's not. I think the development corporation wants it connected, but you know, uh, on the larger plan, we are kind of working uh, to revise our license uh, to an A1A, which, you know, when we have to, or when we do turn that into a private event space or you know auxiliary kind of tap room feel, um, we can serve more than just beer. Again, if we're going to have it as private events, as much as we are a brewery, right. we're not doing ciders, we're not doing seltzers. Believe me, we've had that conversation internally. <laughs> We're going to be the last man on that wall, I think. Uh. I, so I've been, I've been talking about seltzer a lot lately. Um, my wife is bringing a lot of seltzer into my house yeah, right now. Mine and too. That has forced me to kind of really kind of push the idea in my head about it being a actual beverage. I still cannot wrap my head around the idea of breweries are the ones that are making it and what what that means and why that means and then it becoming everybody's top seller like it, yeah and it i just can't we figure it out you know at least from my perspective and a few breweries that i know i mean if you have the access capacity and it's moving yeah it's, it's a money maker for us we don't have the access capacity right. so we don't ever we're not going to run into that problem where oh we got a tank free let's make some seltzer um mm. you know uh not to say that's the only reason why other breweries are doing it, but I think that's some of it. Um, but we, we were approached by uh, a brewery that makes a craft seltzer. That, hey, if we get this A1A, we might carry some craft seltzers from other breweries, uh, local breweries. But that's fun. Again, that's, you know. That's I'd, also something that I think is strange. When you see places that are starting to carry ciders yeah. and choose to carry something non-local or carry seltzer, non-local like it's it's a very strange it's almost i i get it if you think this product is better than that product carry what you believe in but um yeah i don't know there's almost like we, a we would only carry local uh, and that would be the case with uh wines as well but uh you know again when we started out different landscape um yeah we're we're just gonna be a brewery a right. brewery brewery you know there's not very many tvs in here there's 
one TV that's blue and heinous, and we don't even <laughs> have a cable on it anymore because we shut it off during COVID. You now it just plays the weather uh, round the clock. Uh, you know, we didn't want to be a sports bar. Uh, right. We didn't want to focus on wine or like we're we're about the beer. We're about making beer and being a brewery. Uh, you know, three and a half, four years down the road. Uh, where is that taking us? A, if we expand the space, we'll probably have to be a little more than just a right. brewery. Uh, you know, one of my, my good buddies, I won't name the brewery at one point, uh, just talking to them uh, among brewery owners and something that sticks out is like, you got to have options. I mean, that's really what it boils down to. Right. I mean, if you're a business, you're in a competitive landscape, uh, there's a lot of people vying for the entertainment dollars. You got to have the options out there. Um, so, you know, that that's one area we're moving into. Um, it's all, you have to have the options for people unless you're filling up your tap room yeah, capacity and sure. you know people are elbowing for any kind of space in there anyways right then it kind of opens you up a little bit and you don't necessarily have to you can you can do things a little bit more of your way on uh, well let's say that that's that's part of the reason we haven't really grown or expanded you know being in this footprint with this overhead we can just we can just be us and, right. and do it this way uh, tackling another development space expansion yeah. <laughs> you right. got to make different business decisions under, you know, under that sort of pretext. And that's kind of where we're moving to. If we're ever going to do that space, uh, we're, we're probably going to expand our offerings uh, outside of just beer. And we, we are planning on doing that space. I would say it would be somewhere in 2021 before we start actually breaking ground on that. Depending uh, on. Yeah. Uh, right. Right. <laughs> nothing, exactly. Nothing makes sense anymore. <laughs> nothing and, uh, makes <laughs> investment sense right now yeah uh but we're you know again honestly uh covid has kind of extended our timeline not we were under a, a pretty uh aggressive timeline from the development corporation again due to the city strings attached to it that we were going to have to develop you know put together the development plan by the end of this year and actually start investing in it early right. next year so It'll probably be mid next year <laughs> before we start doing more with that space. Aside from all the obvious COVID stuff, um, fears and concerns about this business and this industry today versus when we were here in 2017, how has that changed? How is it kind of... 2017, when you were here, we were... Uh, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed. <laughs> That's uh, exactly what I was going to yeah, say. We, no we, idea we what had you were no for. <laughs> idea what we were doing. Everything was roses. Uh, you know, uh, and then you get in and <laughs> again you see what your numbers actually are from a revenue side and a cost side, and you're like, oh, okay, we got to This is not just going to be uh, palm trees and lake houses. This is actually <laughs> work. And um, so yeah, the expectations shifted pretty quickly on us. And, uh, you know, it's funny. I got a lot of, you know, I still get asked a lot of questions from upstarts breweries, and that's the first thing I tell. I'm like, whatever you think your <laughs> revenue numbers are and your cost numbers, just come down 25% on the revenue and up 25% on the cost, and then you might be really where you are. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, we were kind of cognizant in 2017, and again, wrote the business plan we were number 11 there was 11 breweries get open there's 29 30 we're like oh oh shit there's 
more of us than we thought. Three years later, that number's doubled. Um, you know, I feel good where we are. I mean, again, we made smart choices early on in terms of keeping our overhead low, doing it this size, doing it in a neighborhood that we felt confident. Worst case scenario, they always support us. We're a neighborhood hangout. Uh, th that was a risk mitigation factor. So uh, none of that's really changed. Right. Uh, you know, but again, now we're three and a half, almost four years in, and it's either we can keep doing this forever, and it's great, and we all love it. It's a lifestyle business or, um, you know, try to do a little bit more with the brand because, again, uh, everyone that – I mean, I think um, – most people in Cincinnati who are beer drinkers, they obviously know of us. Uh, we got a little bit more run than a small brewery normally would get because of the metals. So, right. uh, yeah, we, we have plans to get out there a little bit more and package. It's, uh, even that in itself, though, has to be a little bit terrifying. Like, oh how, yeah, does, how does this translate to people being here versus walking yeah. into whatever bottle shop uh, sitting on a shelf next to... Yep. All this other stuff that we're cranking out in Cincinnati, that's great beer. Right. And how does that brand translate to being on a shelf next to everybody else versus creating this destination where people come here and it's exciting and it's, you know. Uh, yeah. Um, and believe me, that's why we haven't done it to date. Uh, but, you know, just speaking, I, I don't want to, you know, uh, jump the shark or let too much out of the bag, but we are working on some ways to do some packaging and actually get some of our uh, our stuff in cans and on shelves and this this is a big step for us are we talking contract brewing because yeah. i mean we, yeah. we've, we've talked about that yeah. so but two weeks ago we were out at municipal yeah. and they're in very different ways but in the same kind of situation you guys are they've yeah. maxed out this their tap room they've maxed out their brewery they could have gone the production route and built some big fancy right. giant thing and then all of this hits and thank god they didn't yeah and, and um, it's funny uh, you know jim was in our tap room about two weeks before covid hit uh getting ready to do something with the uh, walter melon their watermelon yeah. blonde yeah. ale and just talking to him about oh when's your production facility and kind of told us the route he was going with the contract brewing yeah. and why so i mean we're, we're kind of in the same boat i think yeah. it's i think it's yeah. really smart i when um when urban started theirs which they've backed off of now just for because of the bullshit that's happening in the world around us but yeah um when brett posted on i don't know whatever facebook group that was on where somebody noticed on the cans that they weren't brewed yeah. here and he kind of went off on uh you know his I uh, that one. his description of why they're doing it and why it makes sense and it, I mean, I th and, and immediately everybody, and you know how those those yeah. Facebook groups can get. Every, oh, yeah. yeah, that does make sense. And it, it's, I think, I think that people get it now. That, that was a big hang up, and and you know we're in we're into some discussions, and we had to drag Drew into it. Who, uh, you know, uh, he was very apprehensive about going this route, and you know the risk for us obviously is we got to be very very solid with right. who we would contract with um they gotta understand our processes and our commitment to quality and there cannot be a brand degradation or a right. dip in quality so uh believe me that's the big risk and um it took some convincing but after our brewers had a meeting this last week uh, drew's on board drew feels good about um 
uh, licensing some of this out. So we'll, we'll probably be doing that. I know you guys probably don't want to talk about where that's all happening. No, not yet. Um, but <laughs> can, can we say, is it somewhere nearby? Somewhere yes. that people would trust yes. and, yeah. and feel good about? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that, again, this is, you know, growth plans for us are, are hard things to come up with, especially, you know, in the facility where he, right. we're at now. I mean, it's it's really, we either have to build another facility or go this route. Um, you know, we are not in the take on a big debt load to go build location number well, two to do this. Uh, especially right now. You yeah. see how quickly things can can go to hell yeah and, exactly. and every you have to rethink everything that you do and what that looks like we maintained and, reserves oh i never thought it was going to be for a virus <laughs> i mean roof collapsing tornado that sort of thing yeah. right uh not this but yeah um i was talking to to betty up at fibonacci i think this might have been on the show it might have just been after recording something but um she was talking about her previous job um in their plans they actually had a pandemic plan and she Almost did it when they opened Fibonacci, <laughs> but I think Bob laughed at her or something, yeah, so she didn't that, that, put it into the plan. <laughs> that sounds right. So, yeah. and now it's another one of those Betty chances, totally would do chances that of her to like, tell him, I told you so, we should have done this. Yeah. Um, taking a step back and looking bigger picture at Cincinnati and what we are and what we're becoming or not becoming, um, what do you feel good about? As far as the city and our beer scene goes, what do you not feel good about as far as the city and our beer scene goes? How do you just kind of envision all of this? Wow. I wish I would have got some prep cards for this. because that ruins that, it. That's a deep <laughs> question. Uh, I mean, I think, honestly, Cincinnati's pretty much arrived i mean i think there was always a little bit of a inferiority complex that we're not getting i call it the chip on our yeah, shoulder yeah. yeah we're not we're not getting the the recognition as some of the you know maybe more mature uh brewery markets uh, you know portland's and the denver's mm-hmm. or even the kalamazoo's but uh I, I think we're we're in that we're in that mix now i mean there's so many good breweries in town I legitimately have a hard time even coming up with my top 15. Um, you know, we're a brewery destination town. Um, we've reclaimed our birthright as drunkards. Um, and I, I think that's all just evidence in how, not only how many breweries have come up, but how few have closed and how well every one of, one of them's doing. Um, in terms of where we're going, I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I mean... Wow, have we I, have we hit the wall as far as how many breweries you can pack uh, into the city? I don't know if we've hit the. I mean, and again, I that's mean, that's a very tough question with all of this shit going yeah, on right it's now. It's very hard to judge with that. I mean, I still think there's pockets. I mean, again, I think this isn't a new trend. It's you know since we've been around, you know the regionals, the bigger footprints. Those are the ones that are having hard times. Right. But if, if you're just focused on your small little three to five mile market there's always room for that um yeah i would say cincinnati is getting about tapped out there i mean you can't think of many neighborhoods that that don't have you know a brewery now um you know over here on the west side is still fertile ground but i think that's partially because at least back when we were looking, Colerain Township had some ordinances, and you can't open tap rooms in Colerain Township. I mean, other than that, there's 
not a lot of but beer deserts. Places you know? like that have to be looking at oh, that well, now. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. <laughs> I mean, uh, I'm friends with some Anderson Township trustees, and I, I'm... They had that too. Well, you know, Paradise opened, yeah. even though that they weren't they, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they weren't really supposed to, but they crammed it through. They changed the ordinance. Now you got dead low and big ash out there. So, um, but even you know, you look. You know, I live just up the street in Fairfield. We've got Swine City up there, but yeah. it's clear that there's lots of beer drinkers there. We've got Jungle Gems, and that you yeah. know th- that bar gets packed with people who are local people just drinking good beer. I'm, and I'm probably too close to it to, to really make a, an accurate judgment, but I feel like we could support a few breweries up there in, yeah, in a place yeah. like Fairfield. Like, there are places yeah. like that that I still think maybe there is a brewery, but maybe could support a couple breweries or, um, you know, some smaller yeah. pockets yeah. of stuff going on. I, I don't know. Just I, not in College Hill or North College <laughs> Hill. And there's no space over here. There's nothing don't, going on. Don't even soon. look. Um, but no, I mean, there's still pockets, but, you know, just back to your bigger question, I think... And I've, I've noticed this, no bullshit, you know, since we've opened, just the proliferation of breweries, it absolutely drives the quality up. I oh, yeah. mean, because we all are now, oh, yeah. we know we know how competitive it is, and, you know, the beer drinker has gotten more sophisticated, and you can't put out crap. Well, when it brings in, like, so, you know, just taking, like, Urban Artifact for um, an example, because they're a polarizing place, a lot of people think they don't like sour beer, may not go there. They might go somewhere else. Uh, having Humble Monk open mm-hmm. across the street from them now kind of creates that conversation if you're out with a group of you yeah. know five friends and you know there's two people that are like, oh, we don't like sour beer. Instead of now, like, all right, well, we'll go somewhere else. Now it's like, all right, well, we'll go here for you know a couple hours and then we'll run across the street so you guys yeah. can hang out there for a couple hours. And it becomes like this thing where you can create these little... Uh, these little districts of breweries, yeah, these little yeah. pockets of drunken happiness. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, well, that's a, a good example of like a, a little cluster that's differentiated there. Yeah, so yeah, without yeah. a doubt. Yeah. Well, and you know, I I look at places that have opened up in places that shouldn't have a brewery. You know, you look at you know Sons of Toil out in Mount yeah, Oreb. Like, yeah. why why did that become That's where so all successful? My family drinks. Uh, <laughs> my my uh, my whole mom's side of the family is out there in Brown and Claremont. They're yeah, the Waring family. They're always out there. So, <laughs> but it's yeah. like it's it's it's. I would have never in a million years said that there would, especially because at that time you had yeah. old firehouse that was open, yep. kind of out there too, and um, yet there they were, and there the beer was great. Yeah. <laughs> like it's just like you see places like that that just um, kind of throw a wrench in the whole idea of what should exist or shouldn't exist. <laughs> and like it, well, I think, you think every you've little town with significant population, you know, a few hundred people can support a brewery if it's That's done right. You anywhere know? that there is a neighborhood yeah. bar, I think, has the potential for something. Yeah. You know, it may not look like Brink, and it may definitely not look like Mad Tree, but um, it might look like a, like a Fibonacci or yeah. something like that that is a little neighborhood place that just caters to this thing and um if that's the case we have room for a lot more breweries um what do you want people to know about brink that you think they don't know about brink wow another one i should have been more prepared for um I have no idea how to answer that question. Uh, I again, I think most people know who are listening to this know 
know what we're about here internally. Uh, we've, we've discussed the, uh, the turnover <laughs> issue, which was the big one. Uh, you know, we, we got plans. We're just for normal people just trudging through it. We love beer. Uh, honestly, we were real beer people when we got into this, and now we're just beer people with debt. Uh, there's no pretension behind what Brink is. You, you walk in, and this is a very nice tap room. You yeah. walk in, you got a really pretty wall with wood and this pretty <laughs> logo and everyone does, fancy yeah. lights and the live edge table and I mean it's 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 very pretty and it has that um, you could walk in and all of the beer could suck and the people could be assholes <laughs> and it would still be okay because it's a, it's a great place and it's a good spot to sit down and hang out with your friends but it's not that yeah. and like that that's uh well, you're pulling me to an answer now, and I mean, that, <laughs> honestly, that is uh, that's always been my my biggest love of Brink in general. It's I, it is just such a community. Uh, you know, when Kelly and I sat down and first started talking about this, you know, we wanted to open a brewery slash bar where we would want to hang out with. You know, and we're 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 fairly social people. Uh, don't like going to bars and it's clicky and right. you know, there's just the the this place everyone knows each other and if they don't they're gonna know you by the end of the night uh right. it's just very communal in here it's always been communal uh i've made some of the best friends of my life in the last three years you know the guy who, you know the brink band who we put together uh neighborhood guys our lead singer you know we drummed and go to all you know all the neighborhood folks party we're playing over at uh Noah Halbison's party in in College Hill. So I mean, this is just—it's a very family, communal, down home atmosphere. Everyone's going to know you or want to know you. Come in, talk to people. Like, there's you know, there's some neighborhoods that'll get, and I, I won't say breweries. We'll we'll just say bars. There's some neighborhoods that a new bar will open. It's the new neighborhood bar. It's really cool. You walk in, it's gorgeous. It's great. Everything about the space is perfect. But then you walk in and you sit there for a minute and you realize that there's no soul oh, at yeah, all. Yeah. Like, it's all yeah. fake. And I, I mean, not to name neighborhoods, but OTR. You've got a lot of those places. <laughs> this is why and I don't just, go down there. It doesn't. You walk in and it's just all pretend. And this, like, this is not that at all. And I, it, it really, really captures that idea of a neighborhood space perfectly. Yeah. And if, if all of this disappeared and there was a shitty plywood bar and folding tables and folding chairs set up around the space it would feel just as good yeah. and that that that's really hard to do and you guys have nailed that side of what makes a brewery successful and i, I as long as you keep on that path and don't become a bunch of assholes i think yeah, you're good i think we're good there <laughs> yeah. well that's always been one of my uh, you know most proud things about this place too we've really now with Kelly, we've only lost two people in three and a half years who ever went and worked elsewhere. I mean, uh, it's it's very family, very tight knit group who right. works here, and like everyone, everyone's behind the brand and pulls for this place here. I mean, everyone is so committed. It's, and I think that just shows in everything we do. And um, with a lot of breweries around town, there is somebody that doesn't like them. And I don't know that I have ever heard somebody tell me they don't like Brink for a certain reason. It may not be their favorite brewery for sure. whatever reason, but they, I don't know that I've ever heard anybody say they don't like it. And that 
that has to mean something. Yeah, no, know? absolutely. Yeah, I, 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 you hit the nail on the head. I mean, that. Well, you guys you know. hit the nail. Well, yeah. <laughs> All I do is show up and drink a beer. <laughs> uh, thank you very much. Yeah. Um, well, we made an hour. Okay. We did it. Um, we didn't if, even have to get a refill. If you, well, we do need refills. Okay, but, well, I do. Um, <laughs> If you don't subscribe to the show, subscribe to the show. If you like the show and you've got a couple extra bucks, go to thegnarlygnome.com slash support. Makes my wife happy. Um, and if you haven't been to Brink in a while, come to Brink and drink a bunch of beer. All right. Sensi Brewcast, the voice of Sensi Craft.